Hello and welcome to another episode of The Power of Three, Scotland's leading and most listened to Doctor Who podcast. No one has told us that we're not, so in this age of hashtag fake news, who are we to disagree with our own hyperbole? I'm Kenny Smith, and if you could touch the alien sand and hear the cries of strange birds and watch them wheel in another sky, would that satisfy you? Given that you're most likely to be a Doctor Who fan, the answer would be no, and that would not satisfy you. You'd want it on a Blu-ray with audio commentary and subtitles, as well as an extensive making of documentary and accompanying other value-added material dragged from the archives in Dolby Surround Sound with a 5.1 mix and in 3D. Instead, you're stuck with us, the good old trusty VHS equivalent of podcasts, and here like a BBC videotape presented in a clear plastic case with an Alistair Pearson cover and an exclusive introduction recorded by John Nathan Turner is my friend and co-conspirator, Mr. David Steele. Say hello, David. Hello, everyone. Good grief. Take a breath, Kenny. <laughs> hello, everyone. Hope you're well. And in the other corner, sitting like a knackered old pirated 10th generation copy of episode 5 of The Dominators, which has been chewed up by the VCR and then lovingly spooled in with a pencil and wrapped up in a battered cardboard sleeve, is our other co-host, Mr Tom Harris. Tom, say hello to the lovely people. Jesus Christ, are you drunk? <laughs> Again, oh, yes. Yes, hello, lovely, lovely to be here. Uh, this was a bad idea letting Kenny host this. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Well, today, we're here to say God bless the VHS as we celebrate those lumps of black plastic that measured 18.7 by 10.2 by 2.5 centimetres and filled off our shelves in the 80s, 90s and early noughties. The videotape. These days, you can fit a whole series into a DVD or Blu-ray box set, which is more narrow than a VHS tape was. So, sit back, pop the tape in, rewind it to the beginning and press play. Gents, when did you get your first VCR? Tom? Yeah, well, I will have been first one, I just simply because of a matter of age. I got my first VCR, well, I persuaded my parents to rent one, because we had a rented telly. Um, and I remember one Christmas, my friend Craig had, had one and I used to go up to his house and watch all sorts of, of stuff. I remember inviting me up to his house just before Christmas 1982 to watch a VHS of Xanadu starring Gene Kelly and Olivia Newton-John and he loved it. But I just wanted to see a film that was on VHS because I'd never done this before. And it was the biggest pile of shite I've ever watched. It was just awful. But I, I waited, I, I, I watched all of it. But, you know, even though it was terrible, I did uh, understand the, the potential here. So I, I, I think that same day I was up the main street in Beath and I passed the television rental shop and I saw that this deal for a television and VHS combo and I went down to my mum and dad and said, can we get this before Christmas? And to my astonishment, they said yes. And, we, and I think the next day they turned up and they installed this new telly, new VHS. It was a top loader VHS which apparently when they were first coming out, those were the, the best, they were the most proficient. The ones that were front loaded went wrong too often, they, they broke too quickly. But the, this was a top loader, it didn't have a remote control, neither did the television. And took us a little while to work out how to record things on the timer. I remember it was able to, easy to record stuff there and then, but the first time I tried to record something that was on in that evening, I came back the next day and checked and I hadn't recorded and I, I, I hadn't pressed the right button. But it wasn't Doctor Who, but I did start recording and keeping 
Doctor Who episodes, but I'll come back to that later on. So, so Christmas 1982. <clears throat> wow, Dave, what about you? What did? What was your first video recording? Well, we also rented our television. I wonder if people even can even believe that was a thing that actually happened. From a, I wish you could remember who company in Paisley every every couple of years it seemed we bought a new telly and upgraded and what have you. I remember thinking it felt that we were the last people on earth to get a video recorder. And the reason I was just nipped off was saying, I've got a book just to check the date. We got our first video recorder on the 23rd of March, 1985. And I'll come back to why I remember it so clearly, or I can date it so specifically. And similar to Tom, I had a couple of friends who also had video recorders ahead of us. Um, my pal David Farker, who lived around the corner, they it seemed like they had a video for years before we did. And, you know, when years are a long time, much, you know, they really are a long time. You know, I remember, you know, being around at his and watching, you know, Porky's and um, the Blues Brothers, and then someone else at school, they are there, you know, one of my pals, was it some, one of my pals at the club, some like having a birthday party, and it seemed like every kid in Fox Bar was round to watch this pirate copy of ET that they had, you know. But we didn't get ours. It was for, you know, for much, much, much later. I mean, as early as 1982, 83, I remember friends having them. But my folks are also slow with that sort of stuff. So we got ours in March 1985. And the reason that I can remember it to the date so specifically was because we got a video recorder, got it installed. We, they bought one tape to start off with. And I was allowed to tape episode one of Revelation of the Daleks and allowed to watch it a couple more times before it was taped over with something else before we got any more tapes. So. Revelation of the Daleks was the very first Doctor Who story that I was able to watch again after just having seen it. So there you are. When did you get yours then? Well, we didn't actually get a VHS that we got, because my dad absolutely loved gadgets, and he was determined that we'd get one. So it must have been around 1982 that we got our first one. And it was a V2000, the Video 2000, which was a Philips-developed system. And it came out after the VHS and the Betamax. But the thing was, these tapes were double-sided. You could That's take right. them out and like, use like, both like sides. Like cassettes. <clears throat> exactly. And they were brilliant. I mean, they were massive. They were far, I mean, you think of VHS tapes clunky, but these things are even more huge. I remember we were so excited when we got it. And it was a Saturday that we got it because the first thing that we tried to record was an episode of Metal Mickey. Blimey. And yeah. And we set it up, and I remember telling my sister to be quiet because I was thinking it'd be like an audio tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, shh, it'll pick up the background sound in the room. But for some reason, when Dad set it up, it didn't work. But then he went away, and uh, or we went away and left him to do it in peace and quiet. And an hour later, we came back, and it was working absolutely fine. So we had a few of these tapes. And I think they cost about 20 quid for one blank tape. So I th- but bizarrely... I'm sure we must have had about 25, 30 of these buggers at one point and, you know, recording lots of things off air. I not always stopped too, because my dad, I remember, recorded that well-known James Bond film, You Only Die Twice. Oh, I see. He wrote and, that on the case, did he? Yeah. So, yes, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, yes, we had that. I mean, what about, Dave, you mentioned that that was your first Doctor you recorded off the TV. What was yours, Tom? I can't remember the exact episode. It was a Peter Davison episode, and it was the season with King's Demons. And I remember recording that and wanting to keep them uh, for forever because I, by this stage I was paranoid that the BBC were still scrubbing episodes. 
And I uh, I thought, right, I should keep this just in case the BBC do that thing again where they scrub all the original episodes. Um, and I kept it for, I think, almost a week before my big brother or my mum or somebody taped over it. And I think my mum recorded it at Wimbledon or something on it. It was very frustrating. But I, let, let me do a segue here because Davies reminded me about some of the, the, the movies that were available in the early days of VHS because there really wasn't a great choice back in the early days. And our local VHS rental shop was actually the local petrol station. And a number of businesses did this. They kind of expanded the range as well as selling chocolate when you're going to buy your petrol. They also opened up a little bit for VHS tapes. And not an awful lot of mainstream films had been made available. I remember one of the ones that was made available was uh, An American Werewolf in London. And because it was one of the few proper films, we, we ended up renting it a number of times uh, because there wasn't an awful lot to choose from. The Exorcist was another one, but that very quickly was banned by the new censor regime. Um, and that wasn't re-released again on, on video or, or, or DVD for a very long time. You couldn't really get hold of The Exorcist, but we, we did rent it at one point. But there was a lot of dross on those on those shelves. I mean, you know, they talk about video nasties, and and talking about the violence misses the point. It wasn't that they were violent; it was that they were shit. They were badly acted. They were badly scripted. There was no special effects had been paid for. They were just really, really bad films. They were churned out with no skill or expertise, and they were an insult. It wasn't your driller killer. What a horrible idea! Yeah. But the films themselves were just crap. They were just, they were just, they're just not worth the effort. I remember it seemed that every paper shop in Fox Bar suddenly seemed to have a rack of videotapes that you could rent. And we were all, you know, about nine or ten at this point. I say it was twelve when we got our first video. But I remember the years before, and really, kids being, you know, sort of going in, especially me and my, pa- my pal Derek and stuff, and just sort of, you know, we'd look at the. <laughs> for want of a better way of putting it, we'd look at the covers of the top shelf ones, you know. Oh and yeah. Oh, look. And I remember us, you know, talking about this sort of stuff at school. And there was one girl whose parents it seemed would regularly rent this sort of stuff, from what she was saying anyway. And you just be, you think about it now, and you think, all right, you know. I can trump that story, Davy. And this right. is this, I shouldn't even be telling this on a public platform. But both my parents are dead now, so it doesn't really matter. My parents used to rent porn films, right? Soft porn crap uh, from that same garage, right? That's not the worst of it. They got me to return the tapes. (laughs) 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 Jesus, how screwed up am I? Good God. (laughs) I mean, um, Alien and Sandy being the prudes that they were, I mean, not that I'm aware that anything like that was ever, I mean, there used to be a bus that came round Fox Park where we stayed to get a converted yellow coach all the seats taken out and racks put in it would come around and the neighborhood kids would just fill this bus just looking and pointing because it's fascinating and i remember you know we'd be at the back looking at the nudie rudy and the horror the scary horror stuff there's a real visceral thrill with certainly twitter accounts that post sort of retro sort of covers every now and again pulp librarian is really good for that kind of thing but it's it's a fascinating i mean i remember like when um the empire strikes back came out in vhs or came out in video and it's such a big deal and this was a good you know, two or three years after it had been out in the cinema. It was the same when Return of the Jedi came out. It was a long time afterwards, and it was a massive deal, completely unlike nowadays, when, you know, you could own you can own the DVD or the Blu-ray 
of a movie three or four months after it's been in the cinema, you know, or stream it or whatever, you know, it's very different. Before we return to our discussion, I asked on Twitter for everyone's favourite Doctor Who related VHS memories. Walter Dunlop says, My original VHS of the Sea Devils, taped off US TV. Glitch on the recording made the picture roll madly. The sound, wow, out of sync, then settle for a full five seconds before it did it again for six episodes. Despite this, I fell in love with it. We work hard for our obsessions. It's absolutely true, Walt. Michael Reed, first Who VHS I ever bought was Caves of Androzani. I remember wondering whether I really wanted to spend £11 on old Who when I really just wanted to buy the McCoy ones. Must have been the early 90s. Amazing. I remember being engrossed by Sharaz Jack. Brilliant. David Darlington. Having not been able to find The Robots of Death on its original expensive release, I found it for rent in Cobridge Library and watching it within the hour. Mark Kirk says, selling my Trial of a Time Lord VHS tin collection. Didn't realise they had a different picture of each of the seven doctors in the bottom. Took me years to find all seven tins. Even got one signed by Colin Baker and Michael Jaston. J.R. Loffin says, I won a DWM competition for a copy of The Dominators. Well done in retrospect. It arrived with a note wishing me luck finding something to play it on. That was how I learned the terms PAL and NTSC. I still can't play it, but that VHS is only who tape in my collection. I love it to bits. Here's one from David J.A. Lewis who says, Christmas shopping in Cardiff, past a hatted and collared silver. He was on his break from between shores of the Invisible Man. I ran into Virgin, grabbed Silver Nemesis and chased him to outside the Park Hotel to breathlessly ask him to sign it. I don't have a VCR, but I kept the tape. PJ Lamplight says, like with Target Books, I love the VHS cover art, photo montage or original art. There's something so nostalgic about these treasures. Love them all. And the Curse of Frederick says, Once again, Betamax and Video 2000 are overlooked in this blatant tape format discrimination. Well, Cedric, I was a V2000 man, as you've already heard, so any perception of a bias against those formats is very much in your mind. And before we return to our chat, does anyone remember this advert using footage from Red Dwarf and the voice of Tom Baker, which appeared in our TV screens? Danger. Do not attempt to open this part. Generations of Time Lords have battled to contain the galaxy's most fearsome forces of evil. Exterminate! Exterminate! But the pod in which they are held is breaking up, and time capsules known as home videos are being released into the Earth's atmosphere. The Daleks will go on! It is your duty as a citizen of this solar system to track down these capsules and neutralize them through your VCR. Many modules are already circulating, and further releases are imminent. You have the power to protect your universe. What did your Doctor Who recorded off-air library consist of, Dave? Well, as I say, we had one tape to start with, and I remember taping part one of Revelation. We tried to set the timer to record it so we could watch Robin of Sherwood for once. But it didn't start, so we just gave up and watched Doctor Who anyway. <laughs> and then the following week, I taped part two and was able to watch that. And then I think they must have got a couple more tapes because around about then, the two Cushing Dalek movies were shown on consecutive Saturdays. And I had, had them on the same tape and watched them to death 
which is why even now I'm word perfect practically in both of them. No noise and I'll let you go, all that stuff. But that got taped over eventually. And as, as, probably, as I've probably said in the past, during sort of 85, 86 with the, the hiatus, I kind of drifted away from Doctor Who and got quite into comics for the first time. And then during Trial of a Time Lord, I wasn't particularly engaged. So Good didn't judgment. Tape, didn't tape any of it. So and as a, you know, here we go inevitably. With the excitement of a new Doctor in 1987, ah. I recorded and kept, still have the tape, Time in the Rani. I recorded, I think one episode of Paradise Towers because what I was doing was I was using the tapes of like Transformers and Captain America cartoons that had been bought for my birthday in previous the previous year or two. I was taping over them <laughs> to get Doctor Who because I thought I need, you know, the similar sort of thought to what you were saying, Tom. What if the BBC threw out Paradise Towers? You know, I should tape episode one. So what oh, that would have been wonderful if they'd done oh, that. Gosh. So what I ended up doing was <laughs> Do you remember when the video collection started? It was a sort of, you could get them in release. It was a sort of range of budget yes. movies. We had a few of those, and these, this was such early days that um, they didn't come with the little tab on the tape broken already. Because we had an accident. Alison was off school because she wasn't well. And the one of the, the movies that we had was a, this Cary Grant movie called Father Goose. Alison off school, not well, at the age of, what, seven or eight or something, and momentarily left unsupervised, accidentally pressed record and wiped Father Goose because the tap hadn't been broken. So I was able to appropriate that tape, and that was the tape I used to tape Time in the Rani. I also taped all of Delta and the Bannon Men, and I taped Part 3 of Dragonfire at the end of one of those tapes. I think I had episode one and two on one tape, episode three of Delta, and episode three of Dragonfire on another one because I knew the new companion was coming in. And then I remember between season 24 and season 25, one of my friends at school finding, because he had a Betamax video recorder, finding ep- he'd found episode 10 of Trial of a Time Lord and a different episode, most of a different episode of Paradise Towers to what I had. And then another pal whose dad was an accountant and they lived in a really big house who had two videos, was able to copy Alan Kirkpatrick's Betamax recording of Trial of a Time Lord part 10 onto VHS for me and it only partly made the made the jump over in colour. So getting an episode of a Colin Baker story after he'd gone was incredible and you know for weeks for weeks in 1988 because I had this one episode Colin Baker was my favourite doctor because I could just watch it again and again and again so it wasn't until it came out in VHS and I, and I bought the, tar, the, the TARDIS tin that was able to see that episode again in, in full colour. So by the time season 25 came around, I had a couple of full three-hour tapes of my own. So I was able to tape the whole thing, and I did the same in 1989. So I had most of season 24 and season 25 and season 26. Tom, what about you? What did your early at-home archive include? We needed to pause for a minute here just to try to understand the technological advance <laughs> that had been made when VHS was first released. I mean, I was sitting last night uh, with Carolyn and we were watching, uh, we were streaming a, a situation comedy over Netflix. It sounds kind of silly now to say that you're impressed that you can pause a show or that you can go onto a website and choose whichever show you want to watch and then you download it and it's in high quality. I mean, you know, high resolution. And if you look back just, and it, well, it seems like it obviously was, it's 40 years ago now, but when we were, when I was a teenager, for most of my teenage years, the idea that you could record a television show belonged to science fiction. 
the idea that you could record a television show on one channel while watching a different channel was just so alien, so, uh, you know, just, just mental. You know, why, how could you possibly do that? And then keep a show and watch it at your leisure and not have to wait until the broadcasters decide to repeat it. And we've come on with, you know, there's been so many advances now. You know, we're at a stage now where basically there isn't a single film really that, that has been made that you can't find somewhere to watch at your leisure in your own home. And I just think, you know, it's wonderful. I just love new technology and I love the, the, the progress that we've made on this. I just think it's worthwhile reminding ourselves how valuable that is when you think about the shit show that we had to tolerate uh, <laughs> before VHS came along. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of wax no. logical with that for a while. Um, I didn't really build up a collection. I, I, we weren't particularly well off as as you could tell from the fact that we rented a telly and, and I think I've mentioned before that we had a, a slot television up to that point where you see pay-per-view as it were and we couldn't really afford a lot of blank VHS. I remember a couple of Christmases being given a box of blank VHS because it was such a big deal to get blank VHS and they were like they were like uh, 180s so they were like three hours long. I didn't record a lot of Doctor Who t for posterity at that point because I was just about to go to college. You know, I, I was away from, from home and away from a VHS recorder anyway. So I, I just trusted at that point to the to the hope that the BBC would not start deleting any more episodes. But I did, you know, most, so most of my library, my home recording library, was music stuff. I remember recording a brilliant Billy Joel live concert from London uh, in 1984, which I kept for years, actually. I remember buying some pre-recorded, you know, Phil Collins and Elton John and Genesis VHSs and, and kept hold of them for a long time and played them to death. But obviously it was when the BBC itself started producing Doctor Who VHS. That was the most exciting thing, which must have been about 86, 86, 87, I remember. I think the, the first budget one was Revenge of the Cybermen in 86, but I think they've been releasing them commercially for a couple, maybe I think from about 83, 84 onwards. Really that early? Yeah, because they released a, a trimmed version of the Five Doctors, but I think Revenge of the Cybermen, and everyone knows the story about how Revenge of the Cybermen was the one that was picked after they had a vote at the, the Longleat event or something, because they, I think everyone wanted Tomb of the Cybermen and this was the next best thing. And everyone knows how it was put out with the wrong logo, the wrong Cyberman, and the wrong photograph of Tom from the wrong the wrong story on the cover. Ah, but as we've already agreed, it doesn't really matter the photograph from the wrong oh. story, as long as it's Tom Baker. And yeah. If they put on Sylvester McCoy, that would be a problem. <laughs> exactly, yeah. especially as he hadn't actually been cast at that point. That even, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. It's, I remember the, the Christmas 86 was when I got Revenge of the Cybermen, and then the kind of more kind of budget ones sort of followed very quickly after. We'll come round to the purchased ones shortly. My off-air collection initially included The Five Doctors, which had the last three minutes missing because it ran out of tape. Oh. And I never got to see that until years later. They repeated it, and obviously I got to see the, the, when they go into the TARDIS and the TARDIS all depart. Frontios 4 I had recorded for me because I was in a school. I was in the school choir, and we had a concert that night. And I never oh, got right. to see part four of Frontios. So that was I recorded know. for me. Let's have you launch your own individual personal podcast where you reminisce about your experiences in the school choir. That'd be quite good listening, I think. <laughs> I've only got two <laughs> memories of 
away with events for the school choir, and that was the, the other one was being stuck in a hall in Stirling for hours and hating it. We got our first VHS in 1988 because that was the first lot that I recorded. I remember having season 25, right. although we were away for the October week in Aberdeen and didn't have the video. So I got to see Remembrance 3, but never actually got to see it. But my friend Chris McAleer had recorded it in his VHS. So I borrowed this tape, copied it to V2000, as we still had the V2000, and then copied the V2000 version back onto VHS. So I had the complete story. But the picture degradation was dreadful. Yeah. And it was it was really, really noticeable. But at least I had it in some form or other. And the only other one that is sort of with a notable recollection behind it is that I missed episode three of Battlefield being broadcast because I was at Hamden Park that night for Aberdeen beating Celtic 1-0 in the Skull Cup semi-final. Ian Cameron scored an absolute cracker with his left foot to the top left-hand corner of Pat Bonner's goal. And I had a great night. And then went back and watched Battlefield. Well, actually, that that gives me an excuse to wax lyrical again about technology because people, I think we get used to... I remember hearing, right, this is uh, on a trip to America once... With the Science and Technology Select Committee, we met the British consul in San Francisco. And I was jealous of this guy because he talked about how he had just come back from a dinner with George Lucas at Skywalker Ranch. And and I thought, gosh, that's that's impressive. Can you not get us an invite? I think I actually asked him if he could get us an invite. And, and of course he said no. But I remember him saying at the time that the Attack of the Clones had just been released. And that was the very first film ever that was recorded entirely digitally rather than on film. And Lucas himself told this guy that he was worried about pirating in this new age because unlike previous analog recording methods, you could duplicate a digital recording a million times without this a loss of a single pixel. And that reminds me that when VHSs first came in, friend of mine, well, same same guy, Craig, uh, who forced me to watch Xanadu, was also a big fan of Rock Horror Picture Show. And when Richard O'Brien produced a kind of sequel to that called Shock Treatment, it was only available on VHS and no television channel was going to broadcast it. So he borrowed it and he copied it using his cousin's VHS and we linked them up with this weird cable. And the quality just halved. You know, yeah. when you're doing analogue copying and you got to record it in real time and the quality was just terrible now we did actually watch the copied version 16 times in the next few weeks but it just just a reminder that you know when you you know the new technologies that allowed us now to duplicate to the nth degree any digitally produced format without any loss of quality that's just amazing young people these days don't know they've got it so good that's true Absolutely. They think they're entitled to watch it because they can all find it on whatever streaming service they choose. We had to wait. We had to buy them. We had to physically invest. Right, let's return to the Twitter sphere to hear what other memories you have after my tweet asking you to recall Doctor Who on VHS. Jacob 1978 says, Buying the war games and the five doctors while on holiday in Wales and having to wait till I got home to watch them. Though that was made easier by finding a second-hand bookshop in Port Madog, which sold four Target books for a pound. I came home with two carrier bags full of 80 books, lol. Jenny Shirt says, I won a VHS of the Brain of Morbius in a competition where I had to do a Dalek voice. Rob, who is at Time Lord 
81R says probably watching my already very watched Revenge of the Cybermen official VHS round my grandparents' house. I think it was the late 1980s, followed by recording the early 90s UK gold Doctor Who shows. Sunday omnibusations being my preferred choice. The Fletcherian says. In a missing episodes plot, my copy of Cybermen the Early Years cut out during part two of the Moonbase and remained black until halfway through part four. So thanks for that, Milton Keynes market stall holder. Dave Turbo says, first VHS I ever got was the Time Warrior. It became probably my all-time favourite story from the original series, even with all its quirks. Great characters, Doc Cotton, don't the guards at the gate get stew, Toadface, etc. Marty says, I record the repeats of Planet of the Daleks in BBC Two and designed a cover for it and everything. Included a disclaimer that episode three was in black and white. Also had to add another that episode four was missing from the archives. It wasn't. My parents didn't record it due to my behaviour. My goodness, what had you been up to? Phil Smith says, has to be getting the Harvard Associates TARDIS video cabinets to store them in. Then DVDs came along and the poor DHS tapes were ousted in favour of the novels Target, Virgin, BBC et al. Darren King says, when I went to college, my roommate was a Doctor Who fan. He had a TV, video and numerous episodes in VHS. He used to go away for long weekends. One of these we planned a birthday party for his return. He didn't show, but I introduced some French students to Doctor Who via Pyramids of Mars. The Sisterhood of Current says, as a teenager, I used to hide my drug stash inside my VHS copy of the Happiness Patrol. Madison, who is at Master underscore Switch, says, OMG, same. Darren Scott, I know Darren Scott from SFX Magazine, suggests that's Helen Class A. Well, <laughs> brilliant. Happiness will prevail, I guess. But remember, kids, if you haven't learned anything in life when it comes to drugs, just say no. Have you not learned anything from the Nightmare of Eden and seen what drugs like Brexit can do? We finish in a happy note. Keith Lawrence says, I hid my chocolate stash in the Pyramids of Mars case. Definitely a better stash to hide, I would have to say. remember buying your first VHS tapes from the shop official BBC releases. Dave? Well, as I said already, I got Revenge of the Cybermen for Christmas in 1986 and watched it a million times. It was amazing being able to see that first Tom Baker title sequence again. Absolutely amazing. I remember, because my old Spectrum brain is very good at this, the following Christmas it was Death to the Daleks, Seeds of Death and Pyramids of Mars. And then Round about the time of my 15th birthday in 1988, in fact, the week of my 15th birthday, Spearhead from Space, Day of the Daleks and Robots of Death came out, and that was joyous. Going to Glasgow on the Saturday, I thought, which I think my birthday was the actual, was my birthday the Saturday or the Sunday? I can't remember, I should look it up. Anyway, going to Glasgow, and this, and this and, I mean, this is another thing we should talk about, availability. Now, obviously, I worked in HMV for a long time, and a big part of our weekly routine was the preparation for new releases going out, be it on a a Sunday night or a Thursday night, depending what was coming out. The early days of kind of mass VHS sort of releases, they just seemed to turn up on the shelves when they felt like it. And I remember getting Day of the Daleks and Robots of Death in the Virgin Megastore on Union Street, but we found Spearhead from Space and WH Smith's on Argyle Street. Um, and then, what else? There was a few more in 88. That was the two Dalek films got released. And in that Christmas, it was Terror of the Zygons and Tam to Wing Chiang. And then... The old spectrum brain. I could keep going. Stop me. <laughs> um, stop. Stop, 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 stop. They, they, they became a bit more regular. And then, but I think I had my first job by the time in, in 1990 when they were super regular. So I was able to start buying them myself whenever they arrived. 
I didn't buy an awful lot of them. I bought three when they were first released. I bought um, Day of the Daleks, which remains one of my all-time favourite stories. I bought Death of the Daleks, which even at the time wasn't a particular favourite, but, you know, I, I just wanted another Dalek one. And I bought Spear from Space. And uh, I actually gave away Day of the Daleks to a friend of mine in my local church because it was his birthday and I hadn't got him anything. And it was a very spur-of-the-moment thing. So I, 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 even at that point, because I was no longer as enthusiastic with Doctor Who as I had been when I was younger, you know, I still wanted to watch them, but, you know, I wasn't going to hold on to those VHS tapes forever and a day. I knew that at some point they were going to be superseded by some other format, which is in, indeed what happened. Um, so I only bought those three, I think, and I gave one of them away. Wow. My first one was Spearhead from Space, which I bought at the BBC shop at the Glasgow Garden Festival in the spring of 1988. Fantastic. Wow. I remember getting a few of them because that was my, because I remember seeing it and my, it was near, I think it was, it was getting close to my birthday and got me that. I remember watching it and just being so excited and watching, it was mainly the titles that I watched over and over and over again, just like hypnotic. At this point, I thought the only place you could buy the Doctor Who videos was from the BBC shop, which at those days, of course, was in Queen Margaret Drive and, you know, go there regularly to get the releases that they wouldn't have in the Garden Festival. So I managed to get Day of the Daleks, Death to the Daleks, Revenge of the Cybermen, all these ones around that period. And then I'd be regularly phoning the BBC shop to find out when new tapes are, were coming out. Included, I remember being told that it wasn't long until they were getting the Talons of Wang Chung. <laughs> I remember we got, my mum my got me Talons of Wang Chung and Zygons through an advert in the Radio Times. Wasn't even from a shop, but they were advertising the Radio Times. I was like, right, I want these. For, can I get these for Christmas? Yeah, cool, fine, no problem. Yeah. I learned that they didn't just sell the Doctor Who tapes in just the BBC shop when I discovered Pyramids of Mars in John Menzies and St Andrews. When we were up having a, a wee family break up there, we went just for up to Anstruther and went to St Andrews for a day, and I was so excited. And the good thing was we brought the video with us. So, because by that point, it was a smaller machine. And we took it with us and hooked it up so we could watch films and rented them from the local shop. So it was great. I was quite happy. Pyramids of Mars. I was up super early in the morning so I could watch it and loved it. What about pirate copies? You turn more into this sort of scene than I ever was. I never bought a single or sourced a single pirate copy because by the time they were doing the rounds, I was away basically having a life. <laughs> Because they used to be like you traded as currency at the Glasgow Doctor Who group. Sometimes when you went along, they'd have a video playing. I mean, the first time we went along, my friend Mark and I, in January 1990, they had Earthshock on. You consider Earthshock was only, what, eight years old at that point. But I mean, you think, wow, you're you know, really excited. And then you'd see that like, a time-coded copy of the Ice Warriors, you know, long before the official releases came about. Really, really interesting. The fact you, you know, and the people use these as currency. And they'd, well, I'll swap you a copy of the, the Green Death for a copy of Castroval. One of my friends had a V2000 and a pen pal in Australia who had sent him off air copies of Green Death and the Invasion of Time. So, because he had the V2000, I could copy them onto VHS and I could give him a VHS copy. So, he had them for his new machine. And obviously, I could get copies for myself and run off as many as needed. So it was quite good fun <laughs> being able to sort of have these contacts who could source these things. I grew up in a, bit, in a total vacuum. I was 23 before I started going to the Glasgow Doctor Who group. And obviously VHS releases have been going for a long, long time by that point. I 
have a memory of going to a comic mart in 1991 at, at Candle Rigs and a couple of dodgy guys in the corner having a table with a row, rows upon row of VHS tapes that had Doctor Who episodes on them that weren't commercially available at that point. And I remember buying a tape that had the 10th Planet episodes on it and I think the War Machines and another one that had the Ice Warriors. But I remember like seeing them going around getting some comics, whatever, and going back and being like, right, and thinking, what do I want to see the most? You know, what am I least likely to be able to see? And they basically, what they were doing was they were charging a pound an episode. So if you bought a tape that had six episodes on it, they'd charge you six pounds or, or, you know, four pounds or whatever. So I remember buying those. The quality wasn't amazing by any stretch, but it was it was interesting to be able to see them. And I remember another comic mark where someone had a little pile of VHS tapes and that's where I got Frontier in Space, which I had a feeling might have been a, an Australian recording. And then another mark, again, can't have been too much, can't have been too much later because the, the regular VHS releases were coming out fairly thick and fast at that point. There was a tape, there was a guy who had a tape that had Resurrection of the Daleks and Caves of Androzani. And Androzani was already out in VHS by that point. You could buy it. I mean, I remember buying it um, January 92. But I didn't have Resurrection of the Daleks. And I bought that tape just so I could have that. And it was was ages until I was working the first of the comic shops that I worked in. One of the customers kind of who came in there twigged that I was a Doctor Who fan. And he very kindly copied me a couple of stories. He did me Seeds of Doom. And I wish I could remember what other ones. There was a couple by that point. I mean, by this point, this was into 1994. So there weren't quite a lot that would come out by that point. So um, I didn't really, I was never really a part of that Doctor Who fan swapping stories for other stories because I didn't know any other Doctor Who fans. Because mm-hmm. I was in the Edinburgh Doctor Who group and suddenly when I joined there, there was a whole load of new stuff there that was a bit that, you know, the Glasgow pool I knew and who had what. And there was some stuff that you just couldn't find anywhere. Or in this way, when I went to Edinburgh, that's people and stuff in better quality, which was great, quite exciting. And of course, around this time, two releases were coming out every two months. So you'd get like Dalek Invasion of Earth and a twin pack from 1999, along with something else like the Dominators for 9 And then, of course, VAT went up and they became £10.27 back in those days. It was really quite exciting because at one point there were just so many tapes, I just couldn't afford them when I'd start, I'd left uni, had started working and just didn't have, you know, all the spare money that I had would not would be going and drink rather than in videotapes. But then HMV, I think it was around the autumn of 95, they had a whole load of stuff on the cheap. So twin pack VHSs were down from 1999. And remember just picking up a whole load at 7.99 and 5.99 for single tapes and just got virtually everything that I hadn't got, which was fab. A good way to catch up and on the cheap. Let's press pause on the chat for a wee moment as we return to your fantastic tweets, which I've really enjoyed today. The Time Scanner says, I once woke up on a friend's sofa with a bloodstained shirt. I'd not only lost two teeth and my keys, but also had somehow acquired a copy of the Ark. Charles Winford Lodge says, not sure it's a favourite memory as such, but I did once win Survival in Paradise Towers on VHS from either Dwarfs or DWM. The competition was about writing how you would deal with your resident... The competition was about writing how you would deal with residents in your own Paradise Towers or something. Jason Thompson says, Going to Woolworths for the Dalek tin in 1993 on the day of release. The first time I've ever done that. Then, going home and watching all ten episodes in one day. 
Johnny Morris, that's Johnny Morris, the big Finnish writer, of one birthday, my mum arranged for me to get a bootleg VHS of The Green Death and nearly all of City of Death. I nearly watched it to death too. Kevin Clark, not the silver nemesis writer I presume, says, getting revenge for my birthday when it was the only adventure available and feeling like a time traveller myself. The very notion that a story that was long gone could be relived whenever you wanted was extraordinary. Isosceles Kramer, Eskimo Spy, what a brilliant name, coming home from school one day to find my mum had bought me Revenge of the Cybermen, Terror of the Zygons and the Robots of Death on video from a charity shop. Fraser Gregory says, getting the trial run for my 14th birthday, having waited for it for months. It snowed that day and I was too ill for school, so I stayed at home with the house to myself and binged the mysterious planet. The Watcher 1963 says Resurrection of the Daleks. My first full story. Nice cover. Also special mention to that PHS advert. Only from BBC Worldwide. And finally, I've saved the last and indeed the most horrific till the end. We've so far heard happy stories of how people won tapes and competitions, or how they were given them as presents, or how the Papyrus Patrol box was used to hide drugs. Which again, is totally wrong kids. Just say no. But how about this for the opposite end of the spectrum for happy emotions? Carol1975 Jones says, I had all the VHS tapes until my ex-wife took them to a tip. I was at work and got rid of them all. No, That is indeed the worst one yet. Carol, you have her sympathies. The Watcher 1963 just mentioned a certain trailer which featured a Dalek saying BBC Worldwide, which was voiced by Steve Cole, who was then the editor of the BBC Books range. So let's have a quick listen to that before we return to the rest of our discussion. Presenting a new dimension of adventures for Doctor Who from BBC Worldwide in books. Interesting stuff, isn't it? And on video. And on audio. Right, far away, I'm ready. For his many fans. Range of books featuring doctors from the past. The first doctor. We are wanderers in the fourth dimension of space and time. The second doctor. I imagine you have orders to destroy me. The third. Why should I want to talk to a machine? The fourth. There's no one interested in history. The fifth. <laughs> I should have realized. The sixth. This looks familiar. And the seventh doctor. What's the time? Time for a new range of novels featuring the Eighth Doctor. Encountering many foes and friends from the past. And who knows what lurks around the corner. Hello. On audio. And on video. of adventures for Doctor Who only from BBC Worldwide! Dave, did you buy the final BBC VHS release? which was the Reign of Terror, along with the Yeti episodes. Now, let me think. I remember 
Yeah, I was in H- well, I was in HMV by that point. I think I was in I think I was in East Kilbride because I remember a Hartnell box set coming out. I think towards the end of the time I was in Socky that had um I think the Sensorites and the Time Meddler and maybe something else. I need to have a look because I still I've still got all my Doctor Who VHS, VHS tapes. When I when I moved into my flat, you know, just over twenty years ago, there were an alcove of shells in the kitchen, and I thought, right, that's perfect. That's where the Doctor Who tapes can go. And that's where they've been for the last... <laughs> they're all still there. <laughs> I'll send you a photograph. I have a vague memory now, and I think I suspect this is why you've asked me this question, Kenny, to prompt me. I have a memory of you coming in to see me in HMV's Cobride to see if we had the Reign of Terror set, because I remember it must have been run about the time of the 40th anniversary, because I think it came for a little, a little badge or something. And they, only, they didn't make as many, because obviously DVDs had been a big deal for a couple of years by that point. I've got memory of you coming in to see if I could either get it for you if we had any left, but we didn't because it was so limited. I'd made sure I got mine on day release on my staff discount. Yes, I did. I know it sat on the shelf for a long time because Carol had recorded her introduction quite a while before that. But yes, I do have it, yeah. I never found it. Ironically, I had every single Doctor Who official release, but I could not get the last one for the life of me. So, oh well. And another one, I, su- I suddenly remember a similar sort of thing was when the Ice Warrior episodes were released. That was quite soon after I started with Nipper. And again, there weren't that many. We didn't get that many copies. And I had one put aside and had to give it up for a customer. But then we got a few more back in and I got one I got one quite quickly. I got it, I got it safely. But I also remember like the glory days, sort of like Christmas 2000, Christmas 2001, when they released a couple of stories in tins. And I've got a photograph somewhere of a massive big pile of the, the Dalek tin that I planted the Daleks and I think Revelation of the Daleks. I've got a pile I've got a photograph of a pile of those, all with HMV price stickers on them in the on the shop floor. And they all sold. A great gift item, you know. Remember that I remember the tail end of it. I remember the DVDs coming in, but the VHS is still sold at a level because there was still enough of us nutters that thought it was really important to own Megloss or the Invisible Enemy. Absolutely. One final question. What was the last Doctor Who thing you recorded onto a VHS? <laughs> oh, oh. It would have been, I, I'm guessing, oh, do you know something? It could have been a Sylvester McCoy episode because I, I was living in Glasgow. I had my own VHS. I would probably have recorded. I mean, I stopped watching the show during his last season. So... I think it was dealt in the Barman. Interesting. Dave, what about you? Well, when obviously Doctor Who came back in 2005, VHS recorders were still a big part of everyday life. I would record every episode and then bump up to BBC Three to record Confidential. I got in the habit of copying them onto DVD to send to my friend Steve Higgins. I remember doing that for Torchwood. I remember the Christmas 2008, amassing about four discs worth of all the, the stuff that David Tennant was on or maybe Christmas 2009. I still have it here, right? Because it still works. <laughs> Here's my video recorder. It still plays. It doesn't record. Because I remember the night that Vincent and the doctor went out, I had the timer set and I came home and it recorded the picture, but it hadn't recorded the sound. So to continue recording regularly, I, I use my flatmate's VHS machine. I have a feeling then that the last stuff I probably would have recorded would either have been the 2010 series, maybe the 2010 Christmas special, maybe the 2011 series. So I was still recording it on the VHS 
just for convenience sake to be able to watch it again. The DVD box sets were always followed a couple of months later. So well, well into the Matt Smith era, basically. That's that amazing. Good. My final thing, the series that I recorded on VHS was the Eccleston series. So I'd record each episode and then afterwards straight away over to BBC Three and record Doctor Who Confidential. And I did that. But then that Christmas I got a DVD recorder so I was able to record everything from the Christmas invasion onto a nice shiny disc and that's pretty much the way that I continued right up until the end of the Capaldi era and record them that way and then obviously the official release is usually out super quick anyway these days so I would do those so yeah I've got a few VHS left I know you said you've got all yours Dave I've got a few I left I kept the sleeves and I got a few of them are signed which I particularly kept and but I've got them in a folder but I actually junked the tapes for the sheer convenience of I needed space so the tapes actually went I've still got a few like Shada and you know some of the things that have never been released on to DVD or Blu-ray so I've got a few bits here and there. Yeah I mean I've I've thought recently for for reasons of space about getting rid of the the ball. I mean, I've still got some of my Jerry Anderson stuff on VHS, despite the fact I've got DVDs of them. I remember getting my Captain Scarlet, the bulk of my Captain Scarlet VHS tapes because I bought the box set immediately. That came out on DVD. I think I still have some UFOs. Some, I've definitely still got some Stingray and Thunderbirds on VHS. Yes, the VHS, it's in many ways it's appropriate. It's quite antiquated and clunky, but it seems very, very Doctor Who in its own right, I would have said. Yes, highly appropriate when you think about it. It was, it was, I suppose it was as appropriate to record classic Doctor Who on VHS as it is now to download electronically new episodes of, of, the, of the most recent series. So. Gentlemen, thank you for your time once more. I'm afraid that it's now time to press the stop button and then rewind because anybody who doesn't rewind a tape after the finished is evil and then we'll have to get it in the right place for the next episode when we hit record once more. I was just going to say, do you remember when you returned VH, rented VHSs to the store? If you hadn't rewound it, they charged you money. That's right. <laughs> right. They didn't have to do it. It makes perfect sense. And before we go, please stay listening until the very, very, very end of this episode. Listen till after the tune that's going to play us out. But in the meantime, gentlemen, would you like to say farewell to the lovely listeners? Yep, sure. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. And uh, if you can get the chance, also listen to my Imposter podcast. Thank you. Goodbye. Yes, thanks for joining us, everyone. Look after yourselves. And yes, I'll, I'll do a plug as well. Check out the Off 2 podcast whenever you can. And everybody, please do remember to visit our website, www.powerof3pod.com. That's the number three. You can follow us on Twitter at Power of Three Pod, again with the number three, and you can find our Facebook book where you can like us. Well, hopefully like us. So now, Dave, what are we going to play out with today? Oh, Kenny, I'm glad you asked. We're playing out with that timeless ode to home domestic video ownership, Video Killed the Radio Star by Trevor Horn's Buggles. I heard you 